Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. We're going to be in the book of Romans today, and I know that our series was based on Jonah. But as we talk about Jonah, the whole idea of using Jonah to connect with the sinner is the fact that Jonah was a prophet of God. He was a man of God that was supposed to be proclaiming the message of God, and he did, ultimately. But he did before, and he was very successful at proclaiming the gospel message because it wasn't about Jonah. Once again, it was about the word of God. But then there was a group of people, quite frankly, that Jonah didn't much care for. God says, go to them too, and Jonah's like, eh uh-uh. And God's like, you ain't God, Slick. I got a plan for you, right? And if I say go, that's not really an option, Jonah. I don't care if you like them. I don't care if you love them. I don't care if you can't stand them. If I said go, the answer is to, you know, yes, sir, to go. (laughs) And so Jonah said no in his infinite wisdom, and God said, let's go. Get on a boat. Try to run the other way, Jonah did. And God says, I can fix that. He sends a whale, and a whale swallows Jonah, spits him up on the dry land, and Jonah's pretty much, okay, God, I'll go. Long story short. We're not a whole lot different than Jonah sometimes. You know that? We've got some prejudices, too. Uh, And I don't know about you, but Dan's told God no once or twice. So did Josh. So did Matt. So did the guy standing before you. One thing that we're going to look at is the fact that we're all sinners. And the world needs it. As we've talked about connecting with the sinner, it's important that we start off on that foundation. That we are all the sinner. So we need to connect with ourselves as a sinner. And then we need to connect with the lost sinner, with the community around. And I want to give you, after we closed, finished up the book of Jonah... We wanted to give you a practical application of connecting with a sinner, i.e. taking them from I don't know Jesus, I don't need Jesus, I don't like Jesus, to no, you do need Jesus. How do you as an individual connect with them? And I want to give you a very practical application of that. If you have your hard copy of Scripture, I encourage you to take it in a pen out. I'm going to give you a very practical, applicable way to always be prepared to in season and out to make a presentation of the gospel. And all you got to do is memorize one verse that's pretty much already familiar with us. If you don't have a hard copy of Scripture with you, that's okay. There's one in the front Bible in front of you. Dan's holding it up, these little Bibles with Hawaii on front of it. And if you don't want to do that or you don't have a pen to take notes, that's okay. Your bulletin insert has the Romans Road on it. We've made it like stupid simple. Even if you can't fill in the blanks because you can't find a pencil, and I would not be able to find a pencil because my wife's not here this morning with her purse, so therefore I would have nothing to write with. So if that's you, that's okay. The Romans Road is at the bottom of your bulletin on the back. How many of you remember September 10th, 2001? September 10th, 2001, yeah? It's a day that shall live in infamy, or was that September 11th, right? Yeah, September 11th is a day that changed our world, right? So I was enlisted back then. I enlisted in 19... Yeah, so... It was 99. It was almost 2000s. Anyways, so I enlisted in 99, and I had enlisted for, like many other people, for the GI Bill because I wasn't smart enough to get an academic scholarship, and I wasn't quite good enough at basketball to get an athletic scholarship, so I needed to find an ignorant, rich uncle and to pay for my college, and Sam seemed like a good one. 
And I thought at that time, nobody's going to mess with the USA, so I'm going to get my free college, and we're going to be good. And boom, a couple years later, 9-11 happened. But I don't want to talk about 9-11 a little bit. The thing is, is what about September 10th? It was just another ordinary day like anything else, right? You see, there were babies being born, mom and daddy's in the hospital expecting their firstborn, excited and bringing that new child into the world with great joy and anticipation of what that child could bring. There was also funerals taking place, loss of life, a grandfather passing away, a father passing away, a mother passing away under tragic circumstances, somebody buying their first car, somebody getting in their first car wreck. You see, there was life, and we just thought it was any other day. I was at college. I was going on to college, uh, taking my 8 o'clock class because most college students hate those because they're undisciplined and don't want to get up at 8 o'clock. I was already in the Army. They were my favorite. I could get more done by 9 o'clock than people done all day. That was already instilled in me, so it worked great. You see, everything was good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. It was just life as normal. We had no worry about the future, no need for the future, no anything. I'm just living my life. Whether I'm going through a good time or a hard time, I don't worry about it. But then September 11th happened and some planes hit the World Trade Center. Some of us lived through that. Some of you remember reading it in history because, believe it or not, we're in a world where our youngest generation of soldiers have studied it in the history books. They were not born. Our youngest generation of soldiers were not born before 9-11. That blows my mind that Dan is that old. But he is. <laughs> He's got another friend that's preaching to you this morning. That's a little bit, like I said, I was already enlisted. So here's the deal with that. Our world drastically changed that morning. And most of us can recall that lived through it exactly where we were. December 7th, 1941 was no different when Pearl Harbor was attacked for the generation. Every generation has their 9-11 where it's boom. Oh, geez, this is real. There's an enemy out there and there's people that don't like us and somebody wants me dead for no other reason than I am me or my nation is my nation. December 6, 1941 was the same as September 10th, 2001. You see what I'm saying? Just any other day. Cool. Life is good. And then boom, reality hits. What does that have to do with connecting with the center? Absolutely everything. Because I need you to know, one day, life is going to end for every one of us here. And boom, the reality of eternal need of salvation is going to hit us out of the dark. Whether you believe it, whether you know it, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're a Buddhist, a Hindu, an Islam, an atheist, an agnostic, it doesn't matter what flavor you are. Every one of us are going to be hit with the reality of eternity one day, and it's going to hit overnight. Car accidents are a real thing. Uh, one of the, uh, I mean, unexpected heart attacks are a real thing. One young man, Sonny and I used to work at a Christian camp, and Josh was a young man that was part of our Christian camp, and a great young man, <laughs> and a part of our, our staff. And at 16 years old, at 16 years old, just one morning did not wake up. Rare heart condition. Nobody knew about it. Nobody was expecting it. He was a healthy young man. It was one of those rare heart conditions, like one in, not probably more than one in a million, but very rare heart condition that nobody could have detected. And just one morning, one night, went to bed, said goodnight to his mom and dad like any other night, and then one morning, Josh woke up on the other side of eternity. You know, glory to God, I believe that that young man was ready for it. But he was ready for it because somebody told him to be ready for it. Somebody prepared his heart for salvation. Somebody preached the gospel message. 
I want to give you a road to lead people to Christ. That road is easily walked through with Romans, and it starts with Romans 3.23. But before we get on the road about connecting the sinner with our next series, this series is connecting with the sinner. Next Sunday, Dan's going to start with connecting with the community. And so the idea of this, this order of precedence is to take the sinner, to connect with the sinner, to bring him into the community. You see what we're doing here? There's a thought process through our preaching series. We do think things through sometimes. To connect the sinner with the community. But before we go on the Romans road, I want to talk about preparing our hearts for evangelism because it starts with me and you as the messenger. To prepare our hearts for evangelism, we need to understand a few things. First of all, heaven is just as real as heaven. We as Christians like to talk about heaven. Oh, one day I'm going to see my Savior. One day I'm going to be at the pearly gates. One day I'm going to see Peppa again. One day I'm going to see those saints that have gone before or those people that are right now in the great cloud of witnesses. I'm going to get to see them. And the angel, I'm going to get to see Paul that, that read this. I'm going to get to see Peter, James, and John. I'm going, to ask, I'm going to get to ask Doubting Thomas why he doubted. I'm going to get to do all this. And you're right. You will. But on the other side of that, we as Christians need to know if heaven is real, the necessity of hell is just as much real. We don't talk about hell enough because it's not pretty. It's not good. Well, I guess hell's not good if you want to look at it that way. But it doesn't make us comfortable to talk about the bad things. It's kind of like writing a resume or doing a job interview. (laughs) Nobody goes to a job interview and likes to talk about their failures or their mess-ups or their mistakes or their bad things in life. One of the best things an interviewer, a commander, usually asks when they come and they're trying to get to know their new staff or at a job interview is, tell me what your weak points are. Well, you got my resume. Yeah, nobody puts their failures on their resume. I stink at administration. I have problems with people skills. I don't like to work people, and I have problems with authority. Well, that's a great resume. Next! Right? We don't put our mistakes or our failures or our sins. Oh, look, you know, uh, you know, here's a resume for you. I'm in an adulterous relationship, but please don't tell my wife. I have anger issues, and I got fired from my last job because, you know, I punched my boss in the face. Now, those are things we don't put on our resume because there are failures. We don't like to talk about the nasty. But hell is real, even though it's nasty. And there's a world that's going to see the other side of eternity, if we don't go to the message. Not only is hell real, just as heaven, the devil is just as real as Jesus. Read your scripture. Oh, I love my Jesus. We just sang praises to Jesus. That's a good thing. If you've read your scripture, Jesus is all throughout there. That's a good thing. Read about your Savior. Know your Savior. Connect with your Savior. We've already done that series. Connecting with your Savior through the I Am series. Connect with Jesus. That's a wonderful thing. You need to do that. I highly recommend it as a Christian chaplain. But one of the things that we do in the military world is not only connect with our plan of salvation, but we also need to understand the enemy. Ask any S2 or intelligence officer. I not only need to know what I need to do, I want to know what the enemy needs to do because that's going to impact what I do. I want to know where the enemy's at because either A, I can avoid him and go around him to my destination, or B, I know how to attack him and go through him. What do we need to do? Where's the intelligence? What's the enemy thinking about? What's the enemy doing so I can have my plan of action? The devil is real, and he's after the same thing Jesus is, and it should be the same thing that you and I are after, and that's lost souls. 
The mission is the same. They're trying to get the same thing. Jesus and the devil are not good friends right now. They're after your soul and the soul of the lost worlds. You need to understand that the devil is real. He made a choice. He made a choice to think that he could be like God. And God says, no, I don't quite work that way. And a third of the angels fell with him. And the world is going with him too. He's pretty good at his job. Don't underestimate the enemy. Rule number one of intelligence. Don't underestimate Charlie's capabilities. Because they're very good. And the devil's pretty doggone good at catching souls, is he not? Look at the world. Look at the number of pews here on Sunday morning. And check out the clubs in downtown Honolulu on Saturday night. I'm not saying those who go to clubs are necessarily destined to hell. But you get where I'm going with that. You see the choices that we make. Look at the number of people in the pews on every chapel here on Schofield Community Chapel this morning. And compare them with people that are on Schofield Community, not in a chapel this morning. And that's not to say that those who aren't here are hell-bound. I'm saying they're making some poor decisions that kind of make me question. Am I not? Is it getting too real for you? I need you to know that the devil has a mission, but so do we. My brother just read this morning, Go ye therefore. You know who said that? Who said that, Dan? Jesus. His Jesus said, Go. Hey, Chaplain Ellis, is that an option? It's a direct command, right? So all my chaplains that are here, all these theological majors agree that that is a direct command, not only to the disciples that he was directly talking to, but every disciple, therefore, that comes after. To go ye, therefore, into all the world. You don't have a choice if you are to obey your commander. Scripture says that you were bought with a price. We're also going to look at eventually a little bit about the fact that you were bought with a price and the fact that you were slave to sin, and now you're a slave to Jesus. We don't like to use that term slavery because it has negative connotations with it, but you get to choose your master. But you are not a master of your own. Jesus is the master. You don't have to be a chaplain to be obedient to the call. You can still be whatever kind of officer, NCO, enlisted guy, house spouse, working in the civilian community, whatever you do, I need Christians out there. This world would be pretty jacked up if everybody had to be a chaplain or a pastor in order to be Christian. It doesn't work that way. But the call to go is not just mine as a chaplain. It's yours as a believer too. We must seek salvation for the lost as if there is a war between heaven and hell for our eternal soul because there is. War is real. See, we're living in a September 10th kind of day most of the time when we come to these pews and we get comfortable. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Jesus is good. Jesus is loving. One day I'm going to go get to see Him. But maybe that's not the case for your cousin, your nephew, your husband, your child, your commander, your soldiers, whatever the case may be. The people that we love, the people that we despise, all of them without Jesus are in danger of losing their soul to eternal damnation. You need to understand that. If heaven is real, hell is real. If Jesus is real, so is the devil. You don't get to pick the good without the bad. That's a nasty reality that there is a war raging for the souls of men. And you and I are the infantrymen and the cavalrymen on the front line. You are the combative arms. You are the support team. You are the people providing food. You and I are the people 
reaching the lost world. You and I are fighting the war. We all have different talents. We all have different gifts. We all don't need to be chaplains. But there's a variety of MOSs, if you would, in the Christian church. But the reality is we still need to serve. I don't care what your job is. I don't. I, well, I do care what your job is. But it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your skill set is. Use your skill set. Use your calling to reach the world because there is a war raging. And if we lose that war, there's a soul in danger. Because just like somebody woke up on 9-11, I remember I was at at college and they're like, you're going to war. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then September 11th happened and I got a call that day that says, hey, look, I don't know where we're going. I don't know if we're going. But this stuff just got real, real. Specialist Harrison, get your stuff ready. Huh? Hey, what happened? Because I was in class, right? One of the girls said, you didn't see the news? Uh-uh. Boom. World changes. That fast. That real. And I go, uh-oh. And because of that day, I got the opportunity to see the world with the Army. Iraq, Afghanistan, Jordan. Beautiful places. Never thought it, though. I want to talk about this Romans road. How many of you know Romans 3.23? You should. I want you to take your Bible and turn there. If you got a Bible, hold it up. If you don't, hold up the one in front of you. you got a Bible? If you got a pencil, hold up your pencil. That's good. I want you to look up Romans 3.23 because that's the only verse I need you to memorize. That's the only verse I need you to know by heart, and it matters. Because what I'm going to have you to do is write the next stage of the Romans road next, next to 3.23. So in my scripture, right next to 3.23, I have 6.23 because that's where we're going next. So you see what I'm saying? But the first thing I need you to know is Romans 3.23 that we're all familiar with. right? It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Dan, Matt, Chaplain Thompson, Chaplain Ellis, myself, our wives... Our children and you and the commander and the Pope have all fallen short of the glory of God. Which means this, I am not a good person. We live in this false reality that I'm overall a pretty good guy. Uh-uh, you're not. I'm sorry. Did I bust your bubble? You're not a good person. You've taken a pen that wasn't yours. You've taken credit for something that you did that wasn't yours. You've lied about something. Maybe even with good intentions. You've done things that are sin, and we need to tell the world that. So if you're leading somebody to cross, you're leading somebody to the cross by Christ, wanting them to come to Jesus, the first thing you need to take them to is Romans 3.23. For all the sin and falling short of God. They need to know that they're not good enough. They also need to know that neither are you. For all have sinned. And let them know that includes me. Are you a good person? Ask them. Are you a good person? Most, A lot of people will actually say, yeah, I'm pretty good. Because compared to, you know, Dan, I'm pretty good. He's jacked up. And compared to Matt, we all fall short, right? I mean, we can look at somebody else and say, I'm good compared to this guy or that guy. As my wife reminds me, I'm nothing compared to her. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. <laughs> And I am nothing without her. I, I, will fully, I will fully confess. The reality of our sin is we are all there. You're not a good person. Jesus himself, when they called him good, y'all remember what he said? He says, why do you call me good? For no man is good but God the Father. Now we can get to another sermon for another day. I think the reason, one of the reasons I think that he said that, that's a whole other sermon, 
But one of the reasons is he was going to take on the sins of the world and sins aren't good. And if he's taken on the sins of the world, that's not good. The only person that's never taken on the sins of the world is God the Father. Hence why he sent God the Son to do that. And if Jesus, the Savior of the world, the guy who never committed a sin, says, I'm not good, who the heck do you think you are to think that you're a good person? You're not a good person. Just accept it. Because if we can't accept that, we make ourselves to be God. There's several other verses that point to that, but we'll just stick with Romans 3.23. I'm not a good person, but He is a righteous God. No man is good except God the Father. Romans 3.10 points to that. He says, none is righteous, no, not one. These are just extra verses. You don't have to mark these necessarily. Romans 3.10, none is righteous, no, not even one. Because as Adam sinned, when Adam made that choice to sin, so death spread to everyone like COVID for everyone's sin. No, Scripture doesn't say like COVID. Kidding, it's not there. Some of you are like, wow, really? No. But it spread throughout the world. Sin is contagious. But not only has all sin, I need you to know Romans 6.23, which I need you to write next to Romans 3.23 for all the sin and fall short of the glory of God. Just pencil 6.23. And then I want you to turn to 6.23. That's our next stop on the Romans road. It's the next village to visit, if you would. Romans 6.23, I'll turn there in mind too, just to follow along. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So once I realize that I'm a sinner, I need you to understand that there's a cost for that sin. And the only thing that I can afford is death. I'm not able to afford salvation. It's like that PFC that tries to go get the new $70,000 F-150 Lightning or the Tesla or whatever the case may be. Or if that PFC or specialist goes to the bank and says, I think I'm ready to buy a home. I like the $300,000 home. And the bank just kind of looks at him and says, <laughs> uh-uh. There ain't an interest rate in the world I would charge you for that house. You see what I'm saying? You can't afford it. There's things that I can't afford. I have to accept that. It's called budgeting. Let me tell you about the budget of eternal salvation. You can't afford it. It's a price that you can't pay. The only thing that my wages can afford is death and or hell. For the wages of sin is death. Do you get that? What is a wage? It's something that you've earned. So after I get somebody to understand their sin, they need to understand that the cost of that sin, the wage of that sin, is death. Tough. It's your salary. It's your paycheck. Go ahead and deposit it and cash it. Whether you like it or not, it's yours. That's what the wages of sin is. Death. However, we have a gracious and giving Savior, do we not? For the wages of sin is death, and glory to God, there's a big but right there. A big but that says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God offers as a gift for eternal life. I very seriously doubt any of us have any unopened Christmas gifts from last year at this point. Because what kind of idiot doesn't open a free gift? Just take it. This, uh, this uh, matter of fact, yesterday I went diving with Chaplain Worrell, who's leaving the island, praying for them as they transition to, uh, to new locations. But then we went out to lunch afterwards, as we usually do, because swimming that much you know, makes you hungry. So after diving, 
we went out to eat and Chapel Rail offered to pay for my my lunch and actually pretty much pulled rank on me and says, you don't have a choice. <laughs> this is a gift. You're going to take it and you're going to open it. And I ate it too, right? At some point, you got to realize that that was a gift. I was like, man, you don't have to do that. And he says, you're right. I don't have to. I choose to. And that phrase sticks with me even today, right? He chose to give me a gift out of the love of a friendship that we have. And Jesus does the same thing. God the Father does the same thing. He gives you a gift, but in order to receive the gift, you have to take it. I could have been stubborn and walked away and says, nope, not happening. I just won't eat before you give me the gift. But I was hungry. So I took it. How hungry are you for salvation? I pray that you'll take it. Because not only are you able to afford salvation, we have a gracious and giving Savior. Eternal life is not about the quantity of days, but it's about the quality of the relationship that the Father wants with His children. When He offers you eternal life, it's not about the fact that it's life unending. It's the fact that it's a life with unending joy. It's about the quality. It's about time with my father that I so deeply miss. It's about, so Sonny and the kids are back on the mainland. I had to stay and do army things, right? But they're on the mainland, and she's with my mom and my dad, my brother and my sister, my nieces and my nephews right now, and I'm a little bit jealous because I want that quality time. Don't worry, I'll get it. I also miss my wife and my sons because I want that quality time with them here, right? Nothing wrong with that. God is offering you the opportunity to reconnect with Him to have a quality life of joy. Romans 6.23. Next to Romans 6.23, I want you to write Romans 5, 8, and 9 and then turn there. I need you to write that Romans 5, 8, and 9 tell us this. It says, But God showed His own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him through the eternal wrath of God. God showed His own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You are not unredeemable. I am not unredeemable. I don't care what your sin was in the past. You're not the chief of sinners. Paul actually took that title and he used to kill Christians. That was his job until the the road to Damascus. God gave him a calling. God gave him a purpose and says, I need you and I'm going to use you. Go ye therefore into the world. And it starts with you changing. And then once you change, you can take that message to the rest of the world. I don't care. The number one thing that I hear from people when they accept the fact that they're sinners is, yeah, but you don't know the sin that I've had. It doesn't matter. John 3.16 says whosoever. And whosoever means you. It means me. It means absolutely everybody. It means that the magnitude or multitude of your sin has no impact on the ability of God to redeem you. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed. It doesn't matter if you've murdered somebody. It doesn't matter what the magnitude of your sin is. It doesn't matter about the quantity of your sin. God died for it all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's you. That's people in the community. That's your lost brother. That's your lost mama. That's that friend of yours that you think is unredeemable because, oh, he's so nasty and dirty. The things that he has done, God doesn't want it. You're right, God doesn't want to sin. That's why he paid for it and put it to the cross with him. You are not unredeemable. Whosoever means you. He is the propitiation of our sin. You notice the series going from I am to who he is. I am not able to save myself. It's I am not 
in who He is. You need to know the things that you're not in who He is. You are not unredeemable, but you're also not capable of saving yourselves because He is the propitiation for your sin. That idea of propitiation is the act of obtaining divine favor, i.e. eternal life, and the avoiding of retribution, i.e. death, by appeasing God. Propitiation for our sins means that there is the wages of sin is death, but then Jesus. I have earned death, but then Jesus. I'm going to hell, but then Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Propitiation for our sins. Jesus came to the cross. So right next to your scripture, I want you to uh, right next, excuse me, to Romans 5, 8, and 9. I want you to write Romans 10, 9, and 10. I need you to know that you are not without a Savior. You see, you're not good, but you're not altogether bad either. Because there's a Savior that was willing to die for you. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, flip there. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a hard man believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. You are not without a Savior. He is waiting on your call. This is the how of salvation. It's that simple. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and your salvation is secure. What am I confessing? Verbally, verbally and publicly my sin, which is the past. And confess your submission to Jesus Christ, which is your future. I.e., I confess without my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, i.e., my new master. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I serve you, Lord Jesus. What do you want from me? What do you demand from me? What do you call me to do? Confess with your mouth and then believe in your heart because your heart is the seed of the emotions. In different cultures, the seed of the emotions is different things. In the Old Testament, it was actually the bowels. Puts a whole new different on you move me, right? The bowels in your gut. I know Jesus is real in my gut in my heart, with everything that I am, accept the truth that the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus is what saves you. And believe it with all of your being. All of your emotions are connected to it. And you don't believe that it's real, you know that it's real. That's what it's belief. I was asked one time, hey, Brother Kenneth, I'm not really a Christian. I'm of this faith group. But how do you know that you're right and I'm wrong? How do I know that I'm right and you're wrong? I says, I know that I'm right because I'm not asking that question. And I know that you're wrong because you are. There's not a doubt in my mind about the eternity of salvation, the need of salvation. There's not a doubt in my mind for Jesus. This other gentleman from this other faith group had a doubt. And I believe that doubt is there for a reason. Let me tell you Romans 3.23. He's not there yet, but that's okay. Maybe we'll get him there, but if not, at least I was fishing for him. Right. At least I told him Romans 3.23. It's not my job to catch the fish, but I at least got to have a line in the water, yo. You understand what I'm saying? You ever, there's a reason they call it fishing, not catching. And Jesus says we're fishers of men. But I can't very well fish if I don't have a hook in the water. You understand? I, it's my job to put the hook in the water, to bait the hook, to try to get them in as much as I can. But if they don't bite, that's on them. That's on the Holy Spirit. That's on them. <sighs> Confess with your heart. Next to Romans 10, 9 and 10, Romans 5, 1. 
Because pretty much after that we're saved. But here's a little bit of peace for you. Romans 5.1 as well as Romans 5.8 reminds us that we're not under condemnation. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once we confess and I know and I believe, that brings me such great peace. I don't have to worry about hell. Not my problem. But I also need to know it's their problem. And I need to care about it being their problem. Romans 8.1 is very similar. It says, Now therefore we have no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Because He is our Redeemer. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Romans 8.38 reminds us of the finality of this salvation. It says that nothing, for I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's beautiful. No, in all these things we are not more than conquerors, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your salvation is eternal. Your sin does not separate you from God because He, can, he died for that sin on the cross. Now another sermon for another day tells us that that doesn't give us the right to continue sinning. That doesn't mean that I've got my get out of hell free card so I can go ever do what I want. I can sleep around with whoever I want. I can get drunk whenever I want. I can steal from whoever I want because yay Jesus. It's not the freedom to sin. That's not what salvation is. It's the freedom from sin. It sets you free for a new life. Finally, I need you to understand this. Right next to 5.1, write 10.17. And this is one that's left out of the Romans road quite very often, but I think it's exceedingly important. Romans 10.17 tells us this. It says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, and to the words, and their words to the end of the earth. You are not a trophy child. You know what, like a trophy wife? Just look at me, I'm pretty. But you don't really love. That's the idea that the idea of a trophy wife come from. Something just to look at, something pretty. My wife is so much more than a trophy wife. Don't get me wrong. She's smoking hot. Wouldn't trade her for the world. You better believe the same about your wife. Once you got married, that became your standard of beauty. That was in the Song of Solomon series a while back. But you're not a trophy child. You're not something that God sits on His wall and says, yep, that one's mine. <laughs> Look how pretty Kenneth is. He's not wrong. He did good. Y'all didn't even laugh, man. <laughs> They're not buying it at all, are they, Dan? <laughs> I'm not a trophy child of God. Where God just says, yeah, those are mine. One, two, three, four, and He counts them every day. You have been saved and you have been given a purpose to be the messenger. You are not a trophy child. How will they hear without a messenger? Asked the Scripture. And the answer is they won't. So once again, going back to the very beginning, you are the frontline fighters in this war for souls. And He needs you to take it to the world, to your brothers, to your soldiers, to your friends, to your family. I'm not saying that you have to force your faith, but I am saying proclaim it. But the army says that there's, 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 the army will not like that. Well, sometimes. But I still present my faith, and you can too. But when somebody says no, let them say no. But I still got the hook in the water. Look, man, it's out there when you want it. 
I'll never forget, and I've told you this before about a soldier that come to me broken. He says, Chaplain, just give me anything but the Jesus stuff. And he breaks his heart to me for about an hour, and he gets walked out of my office mad because after an hour of listening to him ramble about all his problems and things, I said, man, you don't want what I got. He says, I'll take it, anything. And I says, the best thing I got for you is the Jesus thing. And he says, nothing. And he gets up and he walks out of my office furious. I was like, cool. Two days later, he comes back and says, tell me about the Jesus stuff. A couple weeks later, I baptized that gentleman in the Jordan River. Awesome! Because Jesus matters. You're not a trophy child. He is a God that the world needs. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's not an indefinite article. He's not a way, a truth, a life. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. Finally, I need you to just look at this real quick. Reaching souls. Let's just do the math of salvation real quick. Next slide. This is the math. I've broken it down for you. If I am the only person that is a believer, and I know that I'm not, I pray that there's at least one or two more of you in here. But let's say year one, it's just me. In year two, let's start at year one. I'm only two. Year two, I reach one person a year. So at the end of the year, it's me and Dan. And then at the end of that year two, it's me, Dan, Ellis, and Matt. Or Josh and Matt. I keep saying you, Ellis. I keep leaving out your first name like we're not friends. I'm sorry. Maybe I just don't like you as much and I don't even know it. I don't know. But year four, I have eight people. Five, sixteen. The math adds up real quick, does it not? Within ten years, I've reached a battalion's worth of soldiers, give or take. Let me tell you this. I think that we're ahead of the curve. I think that we at least have 64 Christians on Schofield Barracks. And I would dare say that we have at least 128 on the island. Lord help us. So we're a couple years ahead of the, eight years ahead of the curve, which means in less than two years, if one of us reaches a soul every year, then we've saved a battalion's worth of soldiers in your time here on the island in two years. So we go through, it doubles. In year 15, we've reached the entirety of Schofield Barracks plus about 16,000 individuals. Within 22 years, we've reached two, uh, 2 million, uh, yeah, which is, I believe, somewhere around the population of Hawaii as a whole. Oh, let's keep going. Let's go to the U.S. in less than 30 years. Keep in mind, I think we're nine years ahead of the curve at least. So in 30 years, I've reached the population of the United States, and in 34 years, the world over. Just one person a year. Now, I know that that's a little bit unrealistic because somewhere the chain's going to get broken. That's okay. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try because it's very much an obtainable goal if we will be on fire and accept our responsibility to go. As we talk about next Sunday connecting with the community, remember that the goal is to grow the community. The goal is to take this church and fill the pews so I go up to the CG and say, Sir, I need another chapel. Why? This one's full. Every Sunday it's full. And you have a responsibility to help do that. Just as much as me and Dan and Josh and Matt and Glenn and my spouses and anybody. It's us. Finally, slide Slide, slide, slide. Because I forgot my last slide. Help me out. Slide. Hit the button. Or is it not there? Okay. The command is for you to go. It's not an option. Period. It is not optional. And I ask you that question again. How will they hear without a messenger? So the command is go. 
Holy God, our Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the love that you've given us. I thank you for the grace that you've shown us. I thank you for everything that you've done for us and pray that you will continue to do it. But Father, most of all through this message, if there is anybody under the sound of my voice that has never confessed in their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, may they realize that they're part of the lost sinner and realize that it's very easy to come to faith in Jesus Christ if we'll do just what your word reminds us in Romans, to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. So Father, if there's anybody here, may today be the day that they seek out one of the chaplains and we can make that public profession of faith. I'll feel that baptistry next week if we need to. Father, and for those of us who are already saved, may we be challenged, may we be inspired, may our toe, I pray that our toes were stomped on so that we will go into the lost world, so that we will go to our neighbor, so that we will be so bold in our faith to understand that hell is real and I care more about sharing the gospel than what people may think of me or what challenges may come father we at least need to give people the option of salvation we're not even in so many of the world father our churches are plateaued or declining and if we are a declining church it means that we're not even reaching our own children we're not even going to our household much less our judea samaria and to the ends of the earth father let us be so bold in our faith inspire us 